Welcome to the Listen, Talk, Heal podcast, where we talk with members of the University of Toronto community about their experiences during the pandemic and how we as a community can recover together. I'm Kim Lin, a fourth year undergraduate student studying computer science, statistics, and psychology. And I'm Tony, a recent U of T graduate who studied mathematics, cognitive sciences, and statistics, and we are your co-hosts. And in today's episode, we will be speaking with Andrew. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. I'm currently doing a double major in economics and urban studies, yay, at U of T, and probably also adding a minor in political science, which is something I realized that I wanted to do during the pandemic, very fitting with our theme. And I'm heading into my final year, my fifth year, actually, because I started off one year at U Waterloo and then transferred to U of T. And my pronouns are he and him. Awesome, thank you. Um, why don't we start with um, something that you have been doing in the past few months? How's your summer been? Yeah, my summer has been busy, but in a good sense, and much better than last summer because I am currently in Ottawa, our nation's capital. I'm uh, well, basically. I started a summer internship from May and I was working from home for the first two months. I'm uh, um, doing transportation economics analysis at Transport Canada's air policy slash transportation economic analysis section. Um, and yeah, but from the very beginning, um, seeing that people are getting vaccinated, I was telling my director, I wanna to move to Ottawa and they were very understanding. So I moved here beginning of this month and I'll be here at the end of August um, so I no longer have to work from home I can go to the office enjoy my view uh, from the 25th floor so that that's sounds great. awesome so why do you want to get a job well it's really about preparing myself for life after graduation because I don't plan on doing a master's right away I want to work for a few years before applying to a master's program and given the importance of having practical experience and technical skills on your resume um, as you apply for jobs post-graduation. I think that was the main motivation for me getting summer internships. And uh, this isn't my first summer internship, by the way. Last summer, I interned at the Ontario Ministry of Transportation, and it was uh, actually, partly, yeah, that internship greatly helped me obtain my current internship, but that's a different, another story on its own. Um, so the main motivation is preparing for getting a job after graduation, but the second motivation is more of a, in terms of personal development, I want to gain some sense of uh, economic independence, or I mean, I, I guess at this point, being less economically dependent on my parents. So, so that, you know, having income during the summer would really help me guess, cover my expenses both during the summer and during the rest of the year. Um, and I think there's, there's really a lot of things about um, you, when you do an internship, you don't just learn the technical skills, but you also learn so much about communication, navigating 
difficult situations or stressful, potentially stressful situations um, among your colleagues, uh, among your various projects. And that's really something that's quite different from what you gain just by taking courses at university. Mm -hmm. That's true. Thank you. You mentioned you're going to your last year. Yeah. Um, would, would you ever uh, go back to the job that you currently work at after you're done? Or, or do you want to find some other job? So generally speaking, I'm pretty open. Um, I definitely have an interest in transportation. So if given the opportunity, I would gladly consider uh, coming back to work for Transport Canada or a different transportation agency uh, post-graduation. But I don't necessarily see myself going back to my current position or, or I mean, going back to my current group because um, all my colleagues in my group are like econ masters. Like they have a master's degree in economics, like have a master's degree in computer science or like data science or AI. And that is really not down my alley. As you know, I'm a less so of a um, STEM person. So I don't think the kind of projects and work that my colleagues maybe undertake match my strengths. And in fact, I was just talking to my director general the other day and he gave me a very, very important piece of advice for job seeking, which is, you know, it's not just you're seeking a job, but you're also trying to determine if this job, this setting fits within your interests and your strengths. Um, and it's very important to find position that matches your strengths. So um, I think I'm more trying to seek um, a public policy or international relations or even international trade um, related positions. So um, I know there are these sections within Transport Canada. So what I've been trying to do recently is to reach out to people in these sections and to see what kind of work they're doing. And if I think that's something that would that I would that would interest me and that would match my strengths, um, but I'm also very much open to job positions in the private sector, like uh, public affairs or public policy position in a private firm, or maybe um, other positions relating to kind of like economics or urban policy at different level of government. So there's a lot of unknowns for next year not to mention that i have an exchange program that i don't know if i will be allowed oh, yeah. to go to next year so you know a lot of unknowns um but one thing that covid has taught me is to better navigate through the unknowns which is something we can talk about later but awesome thank you uh you mentioned that you don't want to go into grad school right away is that yeah. correct uh but yeah. would you would you ever go to grad school ever yeah, I was 100%. Grad school is, uh, or has always been part of my plan. The reason I, one big reason I don't want to go to grad school right away is, um, again, to gain this sense of economic independence, um, at least for a while after I graduate. And I think it's just beneficial to take a few years off after, you know, for myself, having been in higher ed for like five years, I think a few years off to work would help me gain 
not just economic independence, but a better sense of um, who I am and what is it that I want to do for a career. Because I mean, a career is like a life, life, lifelong, you know, decision. Um, I think it's very important that you head into it with a very clear sense of who you are and what do you want to do. How do you want to? How do you want to make? How do you want to contribute to society um, in your way? And one other thing I want to mention is that I'm interested in a master's program in public policy or international relations, um, and I'm also considering a few of these programs in the states. And they mainly require or highly recommend people to have work experience. So, in a sense, that's also to meet the requirements. Interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your job, Yen. Um, how sure. did you first find your job, and how did you know that's something that you want to do? Yeah. So it all started from. Last year, at the beginning, well, yeah, at the beginning of the pandemic, or even before the pandemic, at the beginning of last year, I was applying to summer internships, and it was my first time applying to summer internships. I was basically sending out resumes to a bunch of different, um, bunch of different, uh, well, positions that I can find online, mostly at um, public, mostly in the public sector, in the government. Um, uh, in the government. So uh, there was one position. So there was the, I applied to the Ontario Summer Student Internship Program. And um, fortunately, I heard back from them. Um, they scheduled me for an interview and I passed the interview. So they gave me the position um, working in the uh, transportation, uh, the Ministry of Transportation. And I think it, I mean, at least for the ministry or the, the kind of work, it really fits with my, my background because, or and, and my interest because um, I mean, I've always had an interest in doing something related to cities and related to transportation. You know, I'm a huge, I wouldn't say huge, but I'm an aviation fan. <laughs> you are um, a huge aviation fan, huge, that I know. <laughs> compared to some other people, not quite, but compared to maybe you, then I definitely love airplanes. They get me excited. Another form of transportation. So I, well, I enjoyed working at the Ministry of Transportation. And through that position, I um, was able to network with people from Transport Canada. And it was really through these um, networking opportunities and also um, them being able to see um, my work last summer and getting a sense of my capabilities because it was not just empty networking, but it was also, you know, engaging with them through my work. So that helped me obtain my current position at Transport Canada. And it's it happened that um, it was in the air transportation sector of Transport Canada. So, you know, um, write down my interests. So yeah, um, I'm quite happy, even though, uh, even though I'm completely doing, so last summer I was doing com uh, almost completely qua uh, qualitative analysis and work. 
And it was really this year when I took some hardcore quantitative econ courses and I started using R and Stata and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I realized, uh, and then I just got shoved into my current almost entirely quantitative based position. Um, so it was a really steep learning curve in May and June. I was like, oh my God, I don't know how to, what am I gonna do? What am I supposed to do? I don't know how to use these things. Um, so yeah, huge learning curve. Turned out to be okay. Um, I'm quite busy. My project is going well. Um, and it, it really helped that my project is very much um, airport, airlines related. I'm analyzing um, aviation data. So having that interest really, really helped. Otherwise, I'll just be like, I don't, I'm, if it's some kind of data that doesn't interest, in a field that doesn't interest me, um, then I think you'll really decrease the motivation of going to work. Like a big part of my motivation is be like, oh, I'm going to look at these, you know, data from Canadian airports. And that's, I think that I find that super interesting. But then again, as I mentioned a little earlier, um, I, I don't quite want to be in a position that's entirely technical and um, doesn't mm -hmm. really fit with my, my strengths either. So, you know, I like my current position, but also I don't think it's something that I can pursue um, a lot further. So, so I'm also exploring other, other um, areas or departments within, you know, the overarching sector of, you know, cool. policy work. That's, that's awesome. That's what I'm That was a very too. long answer. So I just want to say, if I go off topic or like, you know, just feel free to cut me off. Okay, <laughs> you're good, you're good, it was good. Uh, now, I think this might be my last question for this broad thing. Uh, do you have any tips sure. for people who might be looking for a job? Yeah, I do have several tips and uh, we'd love to share them. Um, the first thing is, I think it was only really last year or like getting my current position that made me realize are very belatedly how important networking is. Um, and I've learned that in the federal government, um, a lot of the positions are either internal or they just prefer to hire someone um, who they already know or who has already been working in the government, has relevant experience. So it makes it more difficult for someone to, I, I think the most difficult step is to enter the government. So really um, the general advice is to, I mean, it's really cliche, but like network, but also don't do empty networking. Like don't just reach out to people and be like, hey, what positions are available at your place? Like, you want to have some substance. For example, if you can use your position to um, network with some relevant people, um, for example, if you're currently working at a firm and then you happen to engage with um, other people at places you're also interested in working at through your current work, then that gives people a chance to see your work, to better understand you, and I think might be more successful for a purpose. Um, 
And the other, uh, the other suggestion um, is really to be, to be open to different possibilities and try to figure out, as I mentioned repeatedly um, already in the session, to figure out where your strengths lie. I think the worst thing, where uh, is something a scenario that you want to avoid as much as possible is to going, going to a job where you have no passion. Uh, if you have other uh, options, then try to find out, um, you know, you're not just applying for a job, but you're also trying to seek this position, this industry, or uh, matches your interests um, and your strengths. So I think figuring out what these are is also very important. Great advice. So now we're gonna move towards like school. So yeah. yeah. So last year was completely online. Like mm -hmm. how is that experience for you? In general, I would say it was a difficult experience but I, a difficult experience that I ended up adapting to, but I do hope it doesn't continue any longer. Um, I'm the kind of person who really values socializing. Like I'm nowhere near a social butterfly. I wouldn't consider that myself, but I value having a balance of meeting people, talking to people uh, in person and having my own personal time. And I think basically online studying robbed all uh, both of these aspects. You can't really uh, meet friends in person and uh, my home is in the suburbs of Toronto. So um, basically can't go anywhere without driving and I don't have my own car. So that was not quite possible. And I mean, we're in a lockdown for most of last year. So that wasn't possible in that sense either. And I think online learning makes a lot of things more stressful because you no longer have a separation between your, I guess, because everything happens at home, then you will feel like, you know, you're like, you'll, con you'll be constantly working or studying. Um, and because there was a lot of kind of cheating involved by students. So at least in my experience, some of my professors made assignments more difficult or more, um, uh, not always more difficult, but it could also be more time consuming or complicated in a sense. For example, uh, maybe in the past, we'd only have to do this one project, but then now you break it down into like weekly components and that ends up taking a lot of time. And the other thing I realized is that in an online setting, um, you would attend, like for example, you would watch the live recordings and then the recordings, you know, you may watch it, you may have to watch it like twice or like um, at 1.5 speed in order to fully get it. And then it would go to maybe a synchronous session and then maybe there'll be like, um, you know, online discussions. So a course may end up taking like double the time as before. So that really made things more time consuming and stressful. 
Yeah. And were there ways you found to connect, I guess, with like your friends and in extracurriculars online? So I definitely continue to participate in extracurriculars. Uh, to give some context, I'm a huge, um, I have a uh, very significant involvement in Modern UN, Modern United Nations. Uh, I've been doing that since um, since I started UFT, or actually since high school, but um, yeah. Um, but really online extracurriculars just can't compare with doing these activities in person. Zoom fatigue is really a thing. Like once you have all your classes online and all your meetings online, you get tired really easily. Um, for example, you may go to a social session and be like, you know, I don't really feel like playing these online games anymore. They're just different from, you know, for example, playing board games in person. Um, and then we organize modern conferences and we continue to do so through the pandemic. Um, and while there were positive aspects, it really doesn't compare with the experience of attending a conference in person. And really you're already in front of your laptop for your classes and meetings all day long. And then to attend a conference in front of your laptop for two or three days, it is, extremely tiring and you don't get the refreshment of you know walking around um, seeing different people interacting with different people that you would get at an in-person conference so i did attend in short i did attend a lot of extracurriculars um but they i think they were helpful but also in a sense made me more burned out because everything was happening through a screen. Yeah. And is there anything you did to maybe like stay engaged, but also like reduce your burnout? Uh, I don't quite understand the question about stay engaged and reducing burnout? I guess like, hmm. Well, you said like after being online for a long time, you can yeah. feel like burnt out, right? Yeah, exactly. So, hmm, is there like a way, I guess to counteract the burnout, but also like keep motivated in the online format? Does that make sense? Yeah, so um, I, I, I'm not sure what your, what other questions are going to ask me about this topic. Uh, I'm a little concerned that my answer, the answer that I'm thinking of might um, kind of overlap with your other questions. And if you do, feel free to stop That's me. Good. Yeah, but, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, but probably one thing I want to talk about is that um, the key thing to reduce reducing burnout is you can't make yourself work all the time. And that is a huge lesson that I learned during COVID to take, to be more considerate towards myself and also others. Um, in the past, when I was at U of T, um, I would be like, um, working or like studying 
all the time. I'll spend like my evenings and weekends at libraries. Um, and for example, I mean, I would have a lot of other activities, um, but you know, when I would get involved in extracurriculars, they were really fun, but you know, they were also, also stressful in a sense. Um, it's also work, it's not pure relaxation. And if I would go to like, for example, if I go to watch a movie, um, I love watching movies, by the way. I love going to movie theaters, but I would be in this mentality where I'd be like, hmm, okay, I'm going to spend three hours watching this movie um, this weekend. Okay, that's three hours less time that I can spend on studying. How am I going to make up for that? You know, how is that going to affect my overall studying plan? And at the end of the day, I realized that I never got like, you know, never got a real break by doing so because I was always putting myself in a heightened, uh, like, uh, heightened environment of stress. And so burnout really wasn't a new problem for me. It was a thing that I encountered, especially in the second semester every year. Um, like every fall, I would start classes and I'll be like, uh, yeah, it's a new school year excited you know um, I like my I choose my classes um, as much as I uh, like I choose the classes that actually interest me as much as I can um, and I enjoy learning about these things but then by the time winter semester comes my mental health condition would always just go like on a deep dive and um, yeah and it just um, it's a it's been a recurring thing and COVID just worsened that situation because, as I said, I would, because there was no other activities to do and no way to meet friends. So last summer, summer 2020, uh, I ended up, I was uh, working full time um, with my internship position. Uh, I was working part time at U of T with um, the Registrar's College. I was, um, doing a summer course, I had other side projects, and just everything was just like, you know, looking back, I don't regret every single component that I did, but all these things together put me in an extremely overwhelming situation where by August, I was like, just a mess. Um, and then I got into this cycle again, like in the fall, um, I continued to be like, just like, I, I just say learn my lesson. I'll just be like, okay, I'm going to keep on top of my readings and I'll spend my evenings doing the readings. Um, but it was really only, I think the last time I descended into a mess was like February when I, um, in February, I attended two module and conferences and I had a slew of midterms. Um, and then my mental health situation started getting into this deep dive again to a point where I was living with my mom. So it got to a point where my mom actually became concerned that I was becoming depressed because I was visibly stressed and unhappy. Um, and I really have to credit, um, I think I really have to credit my current boyfriend for helping me realize that that is something, Tony, I see a reaction. 
that is something that I have to get out of. Um, so I have to, I credit my current boyfriend. I also credit my mom for you know helping me realize that I can no longer be in such a condition. So what I I have to take walks every day. Um, I have to be, you know, I have to schedule my days less tightly, take breaks, talk to people, even online. As I said in the past, if I were to spend time chatting with people, I'd be like, oh, that's one hour gone. But now I'm like, if I spend it, if I spend an hour chatting with people and then you just focus on the enjoyment of chatting with people for that an hour and don't get your mindset into like it's one hour gone no it's one hour of sanity that you get back from the stressful lives of being a UFT student um and I started uh working on doing exercise every day or almost every day I started um cooking and uh, learning, my mom loves to cook, so I learned a lot of cooking techniques from my mom, and that not only massively improved my mental health, but it also massively improved my relationship with my mom. Um, so yeah, I think now I'm in a position where I think I've real, I've made a, um, I really think I've gone through a seismic change over the past few months. And I'm quite confident that with the, uh, with the different mentality that I have now, um, I'm quite confident that next year, you know, I won't descend into this black hole of like burnout and, and depression. And that's a very, very long-winded answer. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It's good to hear like, we need these support systems to help us like with our mental health and also like taking breaks you mentioned. Are there any resources at U of T you accessed? Right, so in the past I've used um, U of T's uh, counseling services a few times, um, included, um, Early last year, when I was doing with a uh, very depressed episode uh, or depressed period of time, but they didn't really help me in the long term, and I didn't know why at the time. But I think I know why now because I would go to these counseling sessions, and I wouldn't know what I want to gain out of them. Um, and I think that's very important, and that's something that I didn't. I mean, I don't blame, I don't blame the counselors. I think they were very helpful, but um, there was a lack of communication in terms of, you know, what I wanted to gain out of it. I didn't tell them what I wanted to gain out of these sessions. I didn't tell them that I've been experiencing some long-term issues and I wanted to get them, I wanted to improve them, you know, also in the long-term. I don't just want a short-term fix. Um, and I didn't know that about myself at the time. So I would go to these sessions I would go on and on about just telling them about the, um, I guess, the negative things that I've been experiencing and just pour out my emotions. And then, and then that was that, like, there wouldn't be any 
discussions about, I guess, underlying issues or, or things that I should change. So I think that was the main reason that I didn't find them quite helpful. Um, but uh, that being said, I did find that having friends, having friends around uh, tremendously helped, even if it's online. And there's one person at U of T that I really, really want to credit. And his name is Donald Bohr. He is the Associate Registrar of Innes College and also my supervisor for my part-time position at Innes College. Um, he is just this one person who I just cannot express the amount of support and understanding that he's given me over the past years. And especially since I started opening up myself and I guess sharing with him more about my, my concerns, my worries. Um, so I guess that's one advice I would give to listeners. There are people around you, there are people on campus who are very, very much concerned about students, they're very much willing to give help and they can be good resources. But at the end of the day, it's you, you are in a university, you are an adult, it's you who need to seek out these people, seek out the help, and you need to open up, you need to communicate about your concerns, about, you know, um, I guess, if you want help, you need to communicate about what kind of help you, or what kind of advice you want to gain from people, or how do you wish people help you? Otherwise, you might not end up getting um, the support that you need. Yeah, that makes sense. So I guess to echo back what you said, it's like you have to kind of reflect on what like you want and the kind of goals you want to achieve and then reach out to the people at like, I guess the university and also in like the wider community um, to get the help you need. Yeah, and I feel like that's been a recurring theme in what I've talked about. Um, first, in terms of your work, you want to have um, a clear goal of what you want to achieve and you want to have a clear understanding of uh, what kind of work fits within your strengths and your abilities, uh, but also in terms of just day-to-day um, -day support. Um, you wanna have an understanding of what kind of support benefits you. Um, and you wanna be open about receiving support. And sometimes it's, um, I mean, really sometimes it's about meeting the right person who can offer you support. I think, for, for example, Donald and I just really um, clicked along in a sense of, um, I guess, uh, it's like I was very much receptive of the kind of support that he was able to give me, um, but it might not be the case for everyone. So 
you know, figuring out where you are is very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds really good. Thank you for the answer. I think, I think it's really good that you have someone like that in your life in the past year that could help you or like help you through things. <clears throat> now we can move on to the next question. Um, yeah. Would I didn't know you had a boyfriend. So what did you tell us? Tell tell us about that. Like I didn't know. <laughs> I wasn't quite planning on bringing it up, but uh, because but it's because um, I did. Yeah, I did. So how was that like? Because you mentioned like you lived with your parents mm -hmm. in the past year, and um, and you, you had a boyfriend. Like, how did you deal with that? Yeah. So I, um, well, let's go back to the end of twenty nineteen. That was um, actually as to begin with, um, begin with it on a more macro level. So. I'm Chinese Canadian. I am an immigrant to Canada. My parents also immigrated to Canada, um, and uh, I am gay. And I came out to my parents in at the end of 2019, a few days before New Year. Great time to come out. No, that's <laughs> uh, and it, it did not go well. It did not go well because, well, my parents um, were pretty conservative in terms of. You know, they really value traditional family structures and they couldn't accept that their son would not have a girlfriend or a wife and, you know, and chosen in the future. So, um, so I came out and boom, thunderstorms. Uh, and there was a lot, there were a lot of arguments a lot of fights. Um, yeah, just things didn't go well first few months of 2020. Um, and I also experienced a breakup at the beginning of 2020, but that added to, it was like a double whammy. Um, and then obviously when I first moved home during the beginning of the pandemic, um, I still had to deal with all these sorts of things I need to deal with being a gay person, living with uh, my mom, who um, very much loves and supports me, but also on the other hand, couldn't understand or kind of accept this part of myself. And that was very, I was very oppressive. I felt like I was scared to talk to my LGBTQ friends, um, scared to meet new people. So um, that was very difficult. But um, yeah, and I guess that contributed to me kind of closing up myself, you know, because it was part of the reason that I buried myself in all sorts of work during the summer, which ultimately didn't help with my mental health either. Um, at the end of the day, my mom never fails to surprise me. I, it just, she, wow. She went through a huge transformation, um, and I, I didn't even I didn't even know that it was going on. Like it 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 went from you know it went from spring of twenty twenty to be like you know um, like should be like she'll want me to change my behaviors and thoughts so that I can um, 
you know, date or have girlfriends. So suddenly this one day fall winter 2020, and then she was on like, um, well, basically she started showing me information about guys. And then she would be like, hey, this guy's pretty decent. You know, do you want to oh, consider like oh my God. getting into contact with them? You know? And then she'll be like, hmm, I'm actually quite like, um, uh, she'll be like, I'm actually quite looking forward to you having a handsome boyfriend and starting your family in the future. And then she'll be like, you know, you know what? There can be true love between people of the same sex. Oh, that's so cute. And then I was just like, I love that. That's awesome. Uh, wow. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still speechless when I follow this. And, and, and it turns out that, um, you know, again, like the pandemic made me realize how terrible I am at actually like communicating with people, especially with my parents. After I came out to my mom, oh, by the way, my mom is a single parent. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of pressure for her, like supporting myself over the years. But anyways, after I came out to my mom, um, I didn't, I was so much focused on dealing with my own troubles, my own emotions. I didn't think of, you know, providing her with resources or support. Um, and I, I didn't think it would work. Um, and so it just became kind of like a taboo subject in my house. But it turns out that, you know, she started doing a tremendous amount of research in her own time. She started watching um, videos um, produced by Chinese gay people or Chinese gay couples. And then she started learning from these videos and she learned that it is normal. She learned that it is something that you can't just change. And she learned that it can be, um, you can be in a very happy relationship. So she turned, I think, yeah, by, um, yeah, I'm so surprised that, um, or I guess I shouldn't be surprised that she went to such great lengths to educate herself. Um, That's yeah. really good. And I think um, that massively helped us improve our relationships. And um, I, one big thing that I've started to realize this year is that I started to feel like I'm in a supportive family. And I started to feel like, you know, my mom really loves me and really cares about me. And Aww. it really is time that, well, I mean, I've been trying to, you know, care about her more and to kind of support her more because in the past, that is something that also I haven't been doing. True. So yeah. when I look back in the past, I would always feel like, you know, my mom, doesn't understand me. I live in an unsupportive, unhappy household, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, she doesn't support me mentally, but also I don't think I really considered 
her emotions or her feelings. Um, so it's really a double-sided thing. And now we're both mutually um, improving and That's I'm cool. slowly realizing that, you know, my mom can be my biggest supporter. Oh, and I'm. It's really good to hear that. I wouldn't say that she. I mean, she definitely has opinions or thoughts about LGBT people or about other things that are not quite, you know, I guess I don't agree with. Um, but more and more so, I would consider where she's coming from, mm-hmm. and if she's trying to tell me something, we should be like, you know. Oh, you should do this and this. You know, inner work used to be like this and this. In the past, I would feel like you're trying to control me. You're trying to tell me what to do, and I don't like that. But now I would start to feel to think, you know, does this make sense? Maybe it is helpful. Maybe I can do something that maybe I can incorporate her suggestions into what I'm currently doing. And a lot of times, it would actually end up being helpful, and what or I would actually end up realizing that she's right. Um, not saying that just like do everything she says but like to give some thoughts about what she tells me to think about where she comes from and to maybe to have more communication mm-hmm. um and that would make myself feel more supported in a more emotionally stable state that ultimately benefits myself Thank you for the answer. Yeah. It's really good to hear that. I had like a quick question. Um, yeah. So you said your mom like changed, like she like transformed. Yeah. So do you think, like, why do you think she changed? Is it like because like her love for you, for example? Like she is willing to see your side. I, I would definitely credit it to her love towards me and her personality or openness in a sense. I never thought of my mom as an open person, but now I realize that I've really underestimated her over the past years. Um, I think um, I think she realized gradually that, okay, actually, let me put it this way. Um, she realized, okay, she realized that, you know, her son is telling her that he is gay. Okay, then she has this, um, how do I explain this? She has this drive to learn about what it is. Like, what does being gay mean? You know, how, like, like really, you know, just like to educate herself on these issues and um, and these people. Um, and looking back, you know, I think my mom has always had a very strong drive to educate herself. That was how she went from growing up in a rural mountainous Chinese village to um, getting into a concept program, and that was in the late 80s, early 90s at a university in the provincial capital in our home province, and then living in the city since. And then, you know, ultimately 
immigrating to Canada, it wouldn't have happened without her strong personality and her desire and drive to learn more about the world. And I think that's something that motivated her to um, ultimately learn more about gay people, about LGBTQ people, about her son, and through these um, becoming kind of accepting myself. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm so glad to hear that because I, I, I think you told me about like all of this like last year or in 2020. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm glad that she changed. I'm glad that you guys uh, are good now. I guess I could say that. Um, I guess that was the last question. Was the last question. Uh, do you have any questions for us? Um, tell me about the project. Like, because I applied for a student funding actually at the beginning of this year. And uh, that was how I held the, um, you might have seen me promoting on social media, the mental health talks, uh, sessions. Um, so I think it's, it's really great that you are also able to gain funding for this, for this podcast. Like, tell me about how you came up with the podcast idea. And uh, I guess I am also interested in knowing where your goal from here. Uh, we didn't, well, we didn't come up with the podcast thing first. We actually came up with the idea of, uh, writing an app. Okay. And I think Kimlin here actually brought up the idea of having a podcast, uh, to be in the app. And we all thought it's a good idea to put that in because we can all, we can have people like you to come and, and, and talk about your, uh, your past, your experiences in the past year. Um, and, we, and we just think it's, it's it's a good thing to to put in the app. So I'm just curious why you decided to build an app exclusively for this podcast. And I'll say, instead of say, you know, put it on YouTube or another podcast site. That is important because a lot of us in the projects come from computer science. So I thought it would be good if we all had something to code because it's, it's the things that like they learn. So I thought it would be cool if they applied it somehow. And I like to code as well. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not in, in computer science, but. Um... So do you see the podcast episodes exclusively available on the app? Like you have to download in order to mm-hmm. listen or you would also put it? No, it's also on like, it's, it's also going to be on Spotify and like Apple Podcasts. It's going to be on Spotify, oh my God. Yeah, it's in the consent form. (laughs) I didn't. Okay, I will read it. But yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be on like most platforms, and our app. But on our app, it's gonna it's just going to be like links. So it's gonna jump into a jump to the platform of your choice. Other than that, we also have other things uh, on the app as well. For example, things that uh, students write um, and mental health resources, as well as a COVID tracker. Oh, interesting. So you can see the cases. When, what's the timeline? The time we're we're hopefully, uh, well, we hope to go into the testing phase in the first week of September. And you actually have the option to participate in that and get another gift card 
so you can actually use the app for a week and then tell us what you think of the app. Okay, cool, cool. And then we get to fix it around and then we will have a hard launch. Okay, cool. Definitely gonna yeah. keep me updated. Very yeah, so, <clears throat> so after this, we will send you a survey for you to complete to get your gift card of your choice right now. And then you have the option to sign up for the, for the next one to, to test out the app. Yeah. Great. I'm going to end the recording. Can I just mention, can I just mention one more thing yeah. uh, that I didn't mention during uh, when you were asking the questions? Um, just one more thing I want to say. Really, um, I just want to tell viewers to be more open and like to, for goodness sake, talk to people uh, and don't close up yourself. Because I think one mistake that I made in the past couple of years is that I would be too, in a sense, too determined in a sense that um, like I would have a lot of conversations or chats with friends and we'd have a good time, but I rarely um, explicitly sought out advice or support from them. And so I really missed a lot of learning opportunities um, or maybe people would tell me very helpful things, whether that be my parents, um, or my friends, and might not really take it to heart. So, um, I don't know, just like, maybe people would tell me that to better balance your life, you know, to take more time to exercise. And I'd be like, no, like, I need to spend this much time on studying. But that's not the case. I realized in the beginning, I realized in the first half of this year that as I took more time to my, for myself, like actually taking the initiative and implementing it by exercising or cooking or chatting with friends, my, well, my studying actually improved. In the past, I would spend during exam season, I would spend entire days at Robart. I wouldn't let myself do any other activities. And I would be like, I realized I maybe didn't actually do so well on the exams. But now that I'm actually um, taking a better control on myself, I think I'm not only in a more stable emotional state, not only in a better relationship with other people, but at the end of the day, I did better on my exams than on my midterms. And I really do credit that with, you know, uh, I think taking better care of yourself would end up benefiting, would only end up benefiting your work. Thank you. It's really good for us here. Thank you. Um, Kimlin, do you have anything else to ask? Um, not really. Well, guys, this concludes the session. That's it for today. And as always, wash your hands. Stay hydrated. Stay active. Love yourself. And most importantly, tune in to our Listen, Talk, Heal podcast.